in times of need. We're so grateful, we're so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that is released upon us as we dwell together in unity. That anointing begins to flow over the body and every member of the body to anoint us, to break off yokes of bondage and to anoint us to do what you've called us to do within our sphere of influence. And so we thank you even today, Holy Spirit, for your presence. That you know every situation of life in this room. You know every situation of every person watching. And you are the anointing. You are that balm of Gilead. You're the deliverer. You're the healer. You're the provider. You're the one that puts things back together as if they'd never been broken. We thank you. We thank you for utterance today to speak as we ought to speak. Lord, we thank you for the blood shed when Jesus laid over that whipping post. We pray right now over this prayer cloth. We pray for everyone watching, everyone in this room, anyone who is weak and infirmed or has symptoms in their body or sick. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you for healing anointing to begin to flow in homes where people are watching. In this place, begin to move to undo that which the enemy has wrought. His intent to destroy or to break down the human body in any way, shape, or form. We command life by the Spirit of God to move through the mortal body. That anointing would target very root causes of sickness and disease, whether it be mental, emotional, or physical. It may show up in the physical, but if it's emotional, let the anointing go in and begin to heal and to set free. If it's mental, and God, to begin to bring understanding and clarity, to bring a, a, a balance into their thought life. Father, we just thank you for the anointing saturating this cloth right now. And when it's brought to their body, I thank you, Lord, that it'll begin to break down and drive out any virus and any effects of that virus. Command the lungs to operate as they ought to operate. To take in the oxygen as they were meant to do and distribute that life-giving flow. Strengthen with mighty power through their inner man, quickening their mortal bodies, raising them up strong and whole and healthy to fulfill the length of their days before them in strength, the declaration of your goodness and your healing power. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing. We thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for working, for working healing power in that right shoulder. We command the joint to be healed. That rotator cup to be supernaturally made whole. That range of motion would come back without pain. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for healing yeah, that left knee. 
healing that ligament as if it was never damaged. Strength. Strength. The pain that existed, we command it to go. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Totally made whole. Totally made whole. Totally made whole. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We glorify you and we magnify you. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Once again, good morning, church. How are you? We want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We are glad that you are with us today. Uh, we believe God is doing great things in your life, wherever you are right now. Just as he's moving in this place, he's moving there. And uh, we appreciate you joining with us today. We welcome our Meeker campus. We're glad that you're with us today. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome everyone. If you're visiting today, we just want to welcome you. And we believe, God, that something that is sung, said, done, fellowship will minister to you, uh, equip you to go out from here and do work of ministry as you go out throughout your week. And if you don't know Jesus, that today would be your day to understand that he is who he said he is. Uh, and that you'll make him the Lord of your life and experience salvation. Amen. Look at somebody next to you say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. You can open your Bibles to James, the fifth chapter. James, the fifth chapter. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. James, the fifth chapter. Again, as you're turning over there, I just want to uh, uh, look at Psalms 65 from a different translation, from the Passion Translation. We have begun our year. Uh, looking at uh, this particular uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, but it says, uh, let me see. It says, you crown the earth with its yearly harvest, the fruits of your goodness. Wherever you go, the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with oil. Come on, now he's talking about harvest and anointing. Harvest and anointing. It's a time for great harvest. He crowns his year with his goodness what does his goodness do? It brings harvest into our life. It brings an abundance of everything that God has planned for us. And so we've been in 21 days of prayer. And uh, uh, again, we're uh, just exhorting you in different areas of prayer. Uh, again, continue beyond our 21 days of prayer. We started our first week as uh, we were going through our, our, our um, whatever, our prayer plan. I don't know how else to uh, say it, but 
uh, praying for our hearts to be right, for, for ourselves to get in line, a, a time really to begin the year of consecration and dedication through prayer to God. And God would change our hearts concerning the upcoming year. And as he changes our hearts, it would change our vision. It would change our understanding of where we're going. It would begin to work with the Spirit of God would begin to work within us concerning our lives, the people with whom we have to do, our families, our marriages. What do we do? Right? We pray for that. What do we do? Things aren't right in our family. What do I do to make things right? Instead of what does everybody else do? It's easy, you know, to get to the end of something, the end of a year or something, and say, you know what? Boy, it would have been a great year if somebody else would have, and if somebody else would have, and if they wouldn't have done that, and if they wouldn't have acted that way. But we begin saying, God, what do you want me to do? Because as we know what God wants us to do, we know that he will empower us to do and to fulfill his will for our life. So that's a great time. You know, a lot of people say, if it be thy will, many times when it already is God's will. But this, that's a great time to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Consecration and dedication. Then we began uh, pray for the church and for families. And then this week, this upcoming week that's in front of us, uh, praying for our government and the community. I want to spend some time talking about uh, praying for the people around you, really in the community, the people around us today. And so James, the fifth chapter, the 16th verse, really he says this, uh, you know, he talks about confessing your faults one to another, but just this, this part, the last part of it, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He's talking about Elijah being somebody just like us. You know, we think, well, he was a prophet, but the Bible says he was just like you and I. And the power and authority that he had in prayer was such great power that he could make it stop raining. And then when God said it's time to rain, he took that promise of God and he was fervent in prayer. In James, you look at it and it says he prayed and it quit, uh, quit raining. He prayed again and it started raining. But when you go back and look at that, it didn't just quit, uh, start raining again. He, had, he was praying. He was fervent in prayer. He had his servant go and take a look at what was going on seven different times as he prayed for the rain. And so when he talks about that, the Amplified uh, uh, Bible says, the effectual heartfelt, fervent, continued prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic in its working. And so our praying, we have to understand that. We talked about this a little bit last week. Our praying makes much power available, dynamic in its working. As we started off, we talked about our praying, really uh, that spirit of Elijah, that spirit of John the Baptist, which says, prepare the way of the Lord. And so right now, if we're praying concerning things and we're making inroads into our heart for the Lord to come into our life, our family, into our situations, into our church, into our government, into our neighbor's lives, then we're seeing a change, making power available, laying out path, laying out road by which God can move into someone's life, into our leader's lives, into the life of the church, into these places. But we must have confidence that we, by praying, make much power available. Again, it's, it's a growing confidence. It's a learning and understanding. But don't think that your praying is insignificant. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As we take a firm stand, as we begin to look at the word of God, and we know what he's promised about things, and we begin to pray fervently and from our heart, power begins to be made available. 
And so as we look at those around us and the people who don't know Jesus, we begin to look up and understand that things aren't right around us. There's many people who don't know Jesus, many people who are hurting, many people who are bound by things in their life, and God doesn't want them that way. And we are his hands, his feet. We are his mouthpiece. We are able to petition. We are able to pray concerning things in their life and make power available, make a road, an opening take place. And so as we're looking at the people around us and we're looking at that, Jesus said some things that I believe will help us and impact our lives. And so in Matthew, the ninth chapter, Matthew, the ninth chapter, starting in the 35th verse, it said, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this is something he tells us we should be praying for. We should be praying the Lord of the harvest. Have you ever looked up, lifted up your head, and looked around lately? Have you seen anybody weary? Have you seen anybody that seems like they're scattered? They're just they're, they're wandering here and there trying to find things. When Jesus saw that, his heart was moved with compassion. He said, these are people that need to know that the kingdom of God has arrived in their presence, need to know that they don't have to be scattered, confused, powerless, but they can enter into the kingdom of God. Therefore, there's a great harvest, and we should be praying the Lord of the harvest to thrust laborers into the harvest. Luke chapter 10 Starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He actually goes on and says, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. So there's a good reason to pray right there. Amen? So listen, in two different places, from two different situations, he charges the 70 that he's sending out. He's saying, listen, I'm sending you as laborers, but you're going to see the job is big, so continue to pray that laborers be thrust into the harvest. Why? Because the gospel needs to go out. He saw their condition, and he prayed that. Turn over to Psalms, the second chapter. Psalms, the second chapter, in the eighth verse, he said, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possessions. King James says, Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. When you look at it, he's talking about not, not simply a nation I, uh, uh, to give you, but he says, I'll give you the peoples of the world. If you ask of me, I will give you the peoples of the world as your inheritance. 
How often has we, have we been praying, God, for my inheritance, that I might know the riches of the glory of your inheritance? And we're thinking like a, a physical inheritance. What am I going to get? And he says, listen, the most precious and most valuable thing on the face of the earth is the human heart. The most precious and valuable thing on the face of the earth is the human heart. And we're looking to silver and gold. Boy, if I could just get more. And he says, listen, if you would ask of me, I would give you a glorious inheritance. I would give it you human hearts around you that you might possess the nations of the world. He said, but you have to ask of me. We should be praying and asking God for the people around us who are lost and dying. God, give me those people as an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. Man, there's nothing better than to pray for the lost people around us that they might be saved. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Matthew chapter 5. He said, but I say to you, listen, this is what we're supposed to be praying. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He didn't say when they use you and persecute you, get offended. Yet that seems to be our natural reaction, doesn't it? To get offended. See, the enemy has a strategy. Get people around you who are lost to talk bad and, and, and to just act like the world, act like they're dictated to by the enemy, and then get offended with them for being who they are. But he said instead, when people act that way, there's something going on in their heart that we should be praying for them. As we begin to pray fervently and understand the prayer, uh, that our prayer makes much power available, dynamic, and it's working. And he's talking about laborers being thrust into the harvest, which guess what? Somebody else is praying for that. Right? So when John prays for that, God's liable to look at me and say, there you are, a laborer in the harvest. When I pray, he's getting ready to throw, thrust Justin into the harvest field. See, we're always thinking, prepare laborers and throw them into the harvest field. Why? So that other person can witness to the person that I work with and I don't have to. No, but he begins to put it together that when we begin to pray, and it's a heartfelt prayer, when we see the people around us, no matter what's going on, I don't know how everybody feels, I'm just going to use this example because I don't know of another one right now. But, you know, when you see somebody and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're coloring their hair all kinds of wild colors and, and they've got tattoos and they've got rings and they, they talk a certain way and they do all that stuff instead of just going, oh. We begin to look and allow our hearts to say, what's going on here? Oh, God. Do they know you? What's going on in their heart and their life? Instead of saying, ah. Oh, I want to be around people who are like me. God's put you around people who aren't like us. We're getting into this place where we want people to agree with us. Let's just get around with people that we agree with. Well, that's what we're here for, to build ourselves up. But we're about to go out where people don't agree with us. And we want to prepare the way and we want to make tracks and inroads through prayer so those inroads are starting to be made by the Spirit of God into the hearts of those people. Why? Because somehow if we have the heart of God, we're moved with compassion that they don't know him and they're scattered and they need a shepherd and they need to know Jesus Christ. We don't want to just turn our back and basically say to hell with you, you're not like me. 
To no one do we ever wish hell upon them. Jesus came to die for every single person. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And so we begin to look around us. We begin to see people that aren't pleasing. They're not like us. They intimidate us or they disgust us maybe in some way. But instead of allowing our flesh to respond, to allow our hearts to rise up in a compassion as Jesus did and begin to say, God, thrust laborers into this harvest field. And if it's not me that can relate to them, you send somebody in a time and a season right now before the enemy gets a deeper hold to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into their life. Because I don't want to see Anybody within the sphere of my influence, die and go to hell. God, give me a heartbeat that beats with your heartbeat. That I don't get so caught up in my day and me and mine and, and my two kids and us four and no more that I can't see what's going on around me that needs me to pray. And as we begin to pray, we make much power available. We make an inroad into their heart. But we also begin to tap into that grace that comes in our time of need. An empowerment for us to be bold to speak his word. An empowerment for us to stretch forth his hand in situations. That signs and wonders might be wrought in the workplace, in the neighborhood, where we recreate in the name of Jesus. Because God's called us to be leaders. Come on, he's called every single one of us to be leaders. He's called us and given us the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, people are like, I, I don't know if I'm called into the ministry. You are. Well, it would make me, I would be terribly afraid to stand behind a pulpit. You might not be called to a five-fold, what we call five-fold ministry gift, but every single Christian is called into the ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God, who has reconciled us to himself. Aren't you thankful? Amen. Aren't you so thankful Amen. that somebody prayed for you? Aren't you so thankful that your sin is wiped away by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And that you're a child of the Most High God. Amen. And I know we forget, we usually think it's something we've done. But it's not, it's something he did. And most likely, someone saw you in distress, saw me in distress, and began to pray. God, send laborers into their life. God, I'm claiming their life as my inheritance. God, don't let them go to hell. Don't let them go without knowing you. Don't let them go without being able to make a conscious choice. He said, not only have we been reconciled, but we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then he was good enough to explain to us what that was. Don't you love God? Don't you love the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul? He usually makes a statement and then explains it. Like, the Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then he tells us what our weakness is when we don't know what to pray for as we are. He said, you've been reconciled to God and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
People looking all over for their ministry, and it's right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ Jesus, not imputing your trespasses to you. So you have to just get that straight first. When we look at people around us, boy, God's going to get them. No, he's not looking to impute their trespasses to them. God isn't willing that any should perish. God's not looking to punish anyone. He sent Jesus not to impute their trespasses, but that through him they might be reconciled to God, that they might experience the same love and reconciliation that we've experienced. Right? He said, therefore, you are ambassadors of Christ, representing him on the earth. He said, it's time to begin to plead with them, be reconciled to God. Come on, the time is short. We're living in the last of the last days. Well, I'll do it another day. No, it's time to start work right now. And so we're called to lead, lead people to Jesus. Every single Christian is called to be a leader. One definition of leadership is this. Uh, uh, I forgot what it was. But um, that we lead to the degree we, we um, uh, influence, we're influence, influence someone's life to the degree that it changes the direction of their life. We influence another's life to the degree that it changes the direction of their life. So godly leadership would be this, that we influence change in somebody's life to the direction towards God. So every single one of us is called to lead people to Jesus, to be influential, to create change on the inside, to create change in their life. And so God's called us to be influencers in other people's lives, to have an influence. And so most of us, we get to this point where we say, well, that's all good and fine, but I got problems in my own life. And that's just a lie of the devil. Not that you have problems. We all have problems. But that you can't share Jesus with someone because you have a problem. Because he's equipped you with the word of God. He gave you his life and gave you a testimony of what he's done for you in your life. And so we have to understand this just by the very principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. If we begin to sow the gospel, we begin to sow love, we begin to sow care and concern into somebody else's life, something of love and care and concern is coming through harvest. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Come on. Glory to God. The whole point is that we're to witness of God's goodness, not our problem anyway. We're not going to tell people our problem. We're going to tell them the solution to the problem. And you know, effectively, most of you have been here for a long time. And certainly, I don't know much. We, we certainly have a, 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 a plethora of great teachers around the body of Christ. But I do know this, that if you've been listening at all, you have enough on the inside of you. Just from being here at New Creation Church. You have enough down on the inside of you that if you begin to minister to somebody and open your mouth, 
something's coming out. That's good. If it's a concern of love for someone, something's coming out. And so when we have the motivation to share with somebody the goodness of God, you may not know it. I mean, some of you could probably testify to this, that you did sit down. Somebody had a need. All of a sudden, there was an opening there, and you began to speak. You opened your mouth to help them, and all of a sudden, you're listening to yourself talk. And if you could only take your own advice. Am I the only one that's ever happened to? If you could only take your own advice. I mean, really, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You should just listen to yourself when you minister to somebody else. Faith would arise. See, we forget about that. Sometimes we just shake our, wow, that was good, and we leave. But if we had to just pay attention to it, we'd find out all that's down on the inside of us. And we're not, you know, it just flows so easy when we're not trying to prove a point to somebody. When we're not trying to earn a position. We just start talking to somebody about something that's, that's working against their life. And we just start talking, it just starts to flow out. Why? Because it's in you. He's prepared you to minister to others. He's prepared you to minister to others. I like this quote. It is only to the extent that we influence others that we will experience the will of God for our lives and subsequently the blessings. It's only to the extent that we influence others that we will experience the will of God for our lives and subsequently his blessing. His blessing. Sometimes we're wondering, what am I called to? You know what? Your career, your, your, your profession, your, your vocation is really just a matter of, of, of a place of influence to put you in a sphere of people that you have influence and so that in that influence, you can begin to influence them towards God. Through our life, through our prayers, through our words, and through our actions, we are a light in the midst of darkness. So, Pastor, all this stuff intimidates me. That's why we're taking this time to pray. That he prepares us as laborers in the harvest. That he causes us to have eyes to see the harvest around us and the people who are hurting and ailing around us. That he would give us boldness to speak that he would give us a heart of love for the lost so that we begin to look around us and say, wow, it's, it's harvest time. These people truly are scattered and they don't know what's going on and there's fear all around and there's trepidation all around and it's not time for us to get in conflict with them. It's time for us to find a way to minister to them. The enemy has worked for two years to bring conflict and division, and it's time for the church to realize the love of God and break those walls down and find a way that we move into people's lives and influence them towards God, to bring a confidence that Jesus Christ has paid the price. We do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind. We are not intimidated by the world or the people of the world, but we love them, and we have a soundness of mind. We're not going off the beam and... and, and and confused and upset, but we have a soundness of mind. We found our purpose. We know what it is. It's ministering to people the very life of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's something better than what's going on in the world right now. It's something that's coming from heaven to earth. There's something better to be experienced than the confusion that's going on every day in the world, and it's peace with God.
God wants to equip us for that very thing. And as we pray for people and we look around them and, and we look around to them and begin to understand that really we need to have an inroad into their life by prayer, but then we need to take advantage of moving on that road and developing a relationship to some level with them that there might be trust developed because trust always comes from relationship. You know, in Bible school, you know, uh, we were teaching on the Holy Spirit of God when we first opened that class. And teaching on the Holy Spirit, God gave me this phrase. He said, I want you to teach on three aspects of the Holy Spirit because my goal is that, that, that my people are led by the Spirit. But they won't follow someone they, won't, they don't trust and they won't trust someone they don't know. Well, that's the Holy Spirit, but also people are like that. So you want them to understand Jesus and follow him. But if they don't trust you because they don't know you, we're having a difficulty. And so, you know, to eliminate just simply street evangelism, where, where we would look at, you know, the, I have one chance to share Jesus with this person and get them to pray with me. But to understand our harvest field, the people around us, what we're praying for, then we understand that, you know what, there's relationship being built. And if I can build a trust and prepare the soil of their heart, I can begin to plant the seed of the word of God into their heart to be productive in their life. And so through relationship, we build that, that, that place of trust. We're just as wise as an old farmer. Instead of just throwing seed out there because we've been called to witness, those people in our lives that we know, we begin to prepare the soil that we're going to plant that in. We begin to prepare that soil through relationship. It was some, some time ago, but... Uh, an article said that, you know, out of 200 uh, people sur uh, surveyed successful people, I think it was Fortune 500, uh, surveyed, they attributed their 90% of their success to their relationship skills. Another survey said that 80% of people who got fired got fired because of relational difficulties, not that they couldn't do the job. Creating strife and division in the workplace, not that they couldn't do the job. So relationship building is incredibly important. And how we communicate and develop that relationship is incredibly important. We have classes, uh, you know, for witnessing, and I encourage you to take those. If you're afraid to, to witness to people, go out and share the gospel. Take the catch class when it comes up. But really, as we're talking about our mission here, love, lift, and reach people, how do we reach people? How do we love people and begin to reach out to people? It's actually very simple if we recognize who's around us. We begin to develop relationship and trust by really opening up our hearts to people so that they can open up their hearts to us. It begins with a type of self-disclosure where we begin to talk to people in a, number one, at just a superficial level. We just begin to talk to them about what the day looks like and and, and, and what kind, you know, well, we didn't get very deep. We just talked about the weather. Listen, if somebody won't talk to you about the weather, you need to keep talking about the weather till they will. Come on, there's just a consistency of getting to know people. And so we begin to open up our hearts and you just go, you talk to somebody. Man, what a beautiful day. When they say, yeah, it is a beautiful day, isn't it? Guess what? You've shared a little bit about your, your heart. They've shared a little bit of their heart. What are you doing? You're starting to develop a relationship. Too often, we just try to go so deep, so fast. 
And what happens is when we allow somebody or we go too deep too fast, you may have experienced this before, but boy, we just had a great time. We spent an hour together. We shared everything about our lives. I shared how my husband was terrible and just awful and just, oh man, I need some help there. And then you think about getting with them next time and you're like, you know, maybe I don't want to get with them. Maybe they know too much about me. I don't know if I can trust them with that. Or if we do the same, we start sharing too much about our life, or we allow them to share too much. We think it's cool, they're just sharing a lot, but if they don't come back next time because now they're uncomfortable, they share too much. So we take it a piece at a time. And it really starts to work very, you know, good. You know, when I, when I, I first moved here in the early 80s, I was working construction uh, up at Beaver Creek. We were just starting the, the charter at Beaver Creek, and uh, there was a gal that she moved here from Michigan. She started working in our tool room. And I began to pray for her as soon as she, she got uh, there. You know, I had some guys around me that I, I was sharing with, but she came into that tool room. Man, I'll tell you, just day after day, I would come to her, and I would just talk to her about, you know, where she was from, what she was doing, what she was doing in Colorado. And just in that, man, we started, we started sharing. She started opening up her heart. Well, after a period of time, during lunch one day, we shared. She knew what my pursuit in life was. I knew why she was here. Her heart was wide open. I knew it was wide open. She trusted me through the process of communication that we had. And I asked her, do you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? She said, I absolutely do. I didn't do that the first time that I met her. I asked her about her life, what she was doing. I had to do what James said, had to be quick to listen, so to speak, slow to wrath. We begin to listen to people. We begin to engage them to find out where they're, where they're at. Where, where can we best pray? You don't have to say, what can I pray with you about? If you talk to them and listen, you know what you can pray with them about. And as we continue to pray, we find inroads, and God begins to deal with those areas of their life. And as we see God deal with those areas of their life, we have more of an input into those areas of their life. And we need to be careful as we open up our hearts and we share with them that we don't go too deep, too fast. We don't go up to somebody who has no idea about praying in tongues. In fact, they've been taught it's of the devil, and we start praying in tongues around them right away. It's detrimental to the influence that we might have. Say, am I, not de- am I denying my faith? No, you're helping somebody not be bowled over. You're helping them know that you're a solid believer in Jesus Christ, that you love them and you love him, and eventually they find out, oh, you're one of those. The way that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, even though I had been taught it was of the devil and it was only for some, is I went to a church and saw people that I knew from the community that uh, they had coached me in baseball and different things, and I saw them and I thought, these people aren't of the devil. These are good people. Maybe I better rethink this Holy Spirit thing. There's just things that we begin to operate. We bring that self-disclosure to people. We bring an area of our heart to open up their hearts. Where we really set it in is when they share something with us that, <sighs> that we go ahead and understand we're not, we're not trying to get right and wrong here. We validate them. We validate. This is, I understand this is what you're going through and this is how you feel. We don't immediately try to fix it for them and manipulate that or, or, or push it on them. We validate them. And so now their heart's open to us. We don't have to have an argument about who's politically right, who's politically wrong, all those things at that moment. We don't even have to have an argument ever. 
we begin to understand people think different than we do. And understanding that doesn't condone that you think their thinking is scriptural or right. You just acknowledge, wow, I can see you feel that way. I can see you think that way. And then you know exactly how to pray that you might begin to share the truth of the gospel without an argument. There's people out there that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need a relationship with somebody like you. They don't need to be deep into your life, you deep into their life. You just start wherever you are. I remember I had to, God dealt with me financially. I'm still not sure. I think back and I'm thinking, you know, I need to start doing that again. But every single day, every day, even if it was a Saturday, I'd leave my house. I would go to Come and Go, started at 7-Eleven in Glenwood, but moved up here in Newcastle every single day. I would go to come and go to get coffee and donuts. You know, those little six-pack of donuts. Donuts, chocolate donuts. Financially, one day, God put the numbers together, and I thought, dear Lord, have mercy. I'd be able to go on a vacation if I just don't get coffee and donuts. But I would go every day. There was a gal that worked there at come and go for a long time, but I would just go, and I would talk to her about her day. How's your day? I knew what what she thought about winter weather. I knew what she thought about uh, uh, summer weather. But just saying, hi, how are you doing today? One day she was all congested. She had a cold. I said, sounds like you're not feeling very good. She said, no, I've had this, this cold for about a week. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll pray for your cold. And she said, okay. And she thought I was going to go away and pray. And I just said right there, people are in line. I just said, Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name, to move on her body and heal her of her cold and left. And she was kind of stunned at that. But we had developed somewhat of a relationship, started talking, came back. A couple days later, she said, you know, I feel much better. Started talking, found out she had two girls. So after a while, she had two girls. I said, hey, we're having an Easter egg hunt. We're having an Easter egg hunt. Well, she ended up showing up at the Easter egg hunt. Easter Sunday, she came to church on Easter Sunday. Gave her life to Jesus. It all started from a relationship built at Come and Go Counter. I didn't go to Come and Go Counter and preach at her. I went to Come and Go Counter day after day after day after day. But it was a mission field for that woman. Come on, you never know. You never know. But if we begin to pray, we begin to pray for those around us. Begin to pray for those that we know. I exhort you. I've made mention of this. I took up a little bit of extra time here. I'm sorry. Mark down three people. Three people within your sphere of influence that you work with in your neighborhood, your neighbors, you know, the ones that stuff comes over in your yard. If they don't know Jesus, three people in your sphere of influence that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Put them down on your prayer list. Begin to pray for them every single day. Begin to pray for them every single day. Heartfelt, fervent prayer. 
that they would come to know Jesus. If they're sick in their body, that they would come to know him as the healer. If they're bound by drugs or alcohol, that they would come to know him as their deliverer. That they would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life. You begin to pray and you begin to ask him. You begin to see them as somebody who's coming around to know Jesus. And watch what God will do in opening up inroads. All of a sudden your neighbor will be at the, 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 the side yard just doing whatever. And there's an opportunity right there to begin to talk to them. How's your day going? What's going on? You might find out there's trouble in their family, situations going on in their life. And you're able right there to listen and to talk. And God give you an inroad into their heart. If it's somebody else, you begin to pray that he thro- thrusts laborers into the harvest field. I believe with all of my heart, I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. If each person saw three people born again in 2022, how the kingdom of God would expand just from this service and next service, just the people in New Creation Church. Just think about all the churches, but three people. Just think of the odds. If you won one out of three to Jesus, we would double. There's no greater thrill. There's no greater fulfillment than you yourself praying for somebody to be born again. You yourself. And so I don't know how many we have, but our altar workers are going to be up here after service. And if you don't know how to pray the prayer of salvation with someone, they're going to give you the new birth mini book. And in the back of that, it has a prayer of salvation. I want you to study it. You can look at it. It's very simple. You can modify it. But get into your heart that I would know if somebody wanted to accept Jesus, I would know how to pray with them right there on the spot to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that I could begin to bring them to church or bring them to a small group study or something that they might begin to walk in and understand and be discipled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to do that as we pray. This week, you just begin to put that down and begin to pray. I believe it's time for harvest. I believe souls saved into the kingdom of God. You want to see a move of the Spirit of God with signs, wonders, and miracles? Start seeing people who don't know him come in, and he'll show up and show off for people who don't know his goodness and his power. As a church that we move out beyond ourselves and what we care uh, just about us and begin to see and draw other people in, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe it'll be your best year ever that you ever dreamed of, hoped of, thought of. God will start to do things and promote your life and increase your sphere of influence like never before. He'll increase not only the sphere of your influence, but he'll increase your capacity to walk in it. I believe it in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and we glorify you. Holy Spirit, help each one of us to see and to know people around us, to be aware. Holy Spirit, if we don't know right off the top of our head, give us the name of the person that you'd have us begin to pray for. That by your anointing, prayer, and supplication, roads would be made into their heart and life. A road for you to come into their heart and totally change their life. That you'd show us what part we have to play in that. That you'd grant unto your servants boldness to speak your word. 
and stretching forth your hand. Signs and wonders might be wrought in the name of Jesus. We extend our faith and believe that we receive souls saved into the kingdom of God like never before. I pray for each one here to experience the joy of leading somebody to the Lord. The fulfillment of seeing somebody's life transformed from death to life. Being a part of that individually. Thank you, Lord. Changes everything. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Fark seeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.